Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we are coming to you from a couple of different places on the internet. We're live over on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. Or maybe you're getting us wherever you get podcasts, wherever that is. That's cool. We love it. And what's cooler is we got a brand new show for you tonight. Usually we're running repeats, right, Justin? Yeah, exactly. It's rerun season. We got a t- summer vacation. We just put on uh, the old algorithm and it just mm-hmm. chatters us up. Every once in a while we pop in with a clip show and that's pretty yeah. much it. I remember when Pete and I got in that one argument. (laughs) Speaking of which, unfortunately, uh, Pete is going to be off this week, but hopefully should be back next week. But why don't we kick it off, as we always do here on our comic book show, talking about liquor. Uh, The (laughs) I don't know. It's become a thing we do, but become a thing. And please, I don't know if it's a it was a result of the pandemic, but we slowly have um, focused increasingly (laughs) on the alcohol we're consuming. Over the course of the show. So if you have a take on that, please let us know. Yeah, positive or negative, that's fine. We were actually talking about this in person. That's this right. Past I weekend. saw Alex in person this weekend. Yes, which was very nice. We were talking about this a little bit off because we haven't seen each other since the beginning of the pandemic, right? That's right. And I I was like, Alex, you look like you've a different height. <laughs> and you were like, Your voice sounds weird. I was like, Yeah, because you're hearing it in your ear. Yep. Yeah, you were you were actually not directly coming into my ear holes, so yeah, there you go. Just... Uh, but now we're back to normal, and this is much more comfortable. Oh, God, I can't imagine seeing you again. <laughs> but the cocktail that we are drinking this week actually comes from this weekend's festivities. My wife graduated from grad school, so we were looking up. I, I did a very deep dive research. I googled graduation cocktail. And the first result. What? That's how you got that? You're crazy. You're a crazy person. Yeah. Uh, we did We did ditch a couple of other things that were like a little too complicated or whatever. But we found this thing called Charleston Fizz, which is super delicious. So this is the drink that we're doing this week. It is grapefruit, St. Germain, which is an elderflower liqueur, a little bit of simple syrup, um, the uh, gin, gin and then also use some muddled tarragon with it and you shake it with that very refreshing really good highly recommended definitely beautiful now not beautiful comic book themed in any way but no yeah let's not we can't do that <laughs> eventually we're just going to be reviewing alcohols and having alcohol <laughs> guests on it i mean we'll see what happens i guess <laughs> truth Yes, but we do actually have some comic book guests before we pivot over to being a liquor podcast full time. And we have some great ones this week. So I'm going to bring in our first two guests here. They are the creators of the new Image Comics book, Blood Stained Teeth. Great new vampire riff. Christian Ward and Patrick Reynolds. Uh, We got Patrick here. I think Christian's going to take a second because his stream needs to travel from the other side of the pond all the way over yeah. the Atlantic Ocean, so that slows things down a little bit. Uh, yeah, but jet stream really Exactly. But Patrick, thank you so much for being here. First of all, I love your display in the background. You got the whole blood-stained teeth in the back oh, thing going you. on. Um, I decided, like, you know, uh, uh, I should have some kind of production going on besides mm-hmm. just, like, uh, uh, my studio and, like, uh, all of my all my terrible drawings in the background. So I figured, oh, let's <laughs> do something kind of professional that looks cool for once. Yeah. <laughs> so... 
Yeah. No, it looks right. great. And also, this book looks great and is great. The second issue is coming out tomorrow, if I remember correctly. Um, we got a preview of it. It's awesome. It really amps up the action in a big way. Uh, I won't spoil anything about it, but take it back to basics while we're waiting for Christian to come in here as well. Why don't we talk about the concept of the book? Uh, why don't you give the pitch, if you don't mind? Uh, well, basically, like... Uh... When Christian uh, Christian pitched it to me, he he uh, it started out with like uh, the idea that there is this vampire named Atticus Sloan who uh, bites people for money, and uh, uh, good work. But the payment is uh, ten thousand dollars, but also he gets ten percent of your earnings throughout your life. And uh, within this sort of world of Atticus Sloan, there's this uh, higher council of firstborn vampires that sort of uh, rich vampires that sort of run everything. So like. The media, pharmaceuticals, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 pol uh, politics, that kind of thing. And so I thought, oh, so it's basically like nonfiction. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it sounds like something I <laughs> was very familiar with. So, yeah, what's more terrifying uh, about the concept, the blood sucking or the pyramid scheme aspects that you have here? <laughs> Can it be both? My God. I think it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it technically is both, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to ask you about the look of the book, particularly again. Oh, hey, here's Christian. Hello. Hey, you did no. it. <laughs> I tried to time it out correctly, knowing that <laughs> you got the spinning wheel of death earlier on, but it didn't work. Uh, but Christian, welcome as well. We already got the pitch out of the way. So you're good. We'll kick you out of the stream and just talk to Patrick yeah, about it. <laughs> well, uh, before we do move over to the art, because I do want to ask about that, Christian, now that you're here, where did the initial germ of this idea come from? And, and specifically, I'm curious because, as I'm sure you're well aware, as I'm sure everybody's aware, there's been a kabillion different vampire riffs, but this is something that feels very fresh, feels very different. How how difficult was it to whittle down to an idea where you're like, okay, this actually is something that is new? Well, I mean, I think kind of really, I mean, the initial idea of the vampire for hire, Atticus Sloan, I've just heard Patrick give you the pitch on. I mean, that came to me a couple of years ago. And then I, I kind of sat with it for a bit. And I had this, you know, the, the concept, but not really the story. And it's really, the story came from this last, the last two years and kind of being stuck at home and kind of going through the pandemic and kind of having kind of what's important being kind of shown to us, you know, the idea of kind of like society and kind of being kind to your neighbour and being kind of like a unit together. And then seeing people like Jeff Bezos, you know, their money going up and up and up and up. Well, while we're all kind of locked in and people are kind of you know, struggling with money and, and continue to struggle with money. And and it just hit me that, that really billionaires are vampires. You know, they feed off a strip, drip, drip, and that's how they accrue their yes. wealth. And the minute that kind of that what kind of penny dropped, I realized that the two things were connected, the idea of commerce and that really if you looked at the idea of a vampire in a modern world, blood wouldn't be the issue. We give blood to blood banks. It would be really easy for a vampire to get blood. What wouldn't be easy would be the idea of funding their immortality. They're around for a long time and, mm. you know, they have wealth and they want to live a particular way. And, and once I kind of realized that, the kind of the reality of that, those two things slotted together and the story kind of organically formed from those, those two ideas. Yeah. It's so, I really like that explanation too, because it's like so much of vampire stories is like, you wouldn't believe it. These guys drink blood. And it's like, we know we've seen hundreds <laughs> of them to be like, no, the real issue, the drinking blood thing is uh, that's a sideshow. Imagine Ooh. having to retire. Yeah. Uh, on <laughs> that lifestyle. It's great. Uh, I mean, one other thing that I'll, I'll throw out that I really liked about the first issue in particular, and again, I'm not going to get into spoilers for the second issue, but the f we, we read a lot of comics on the show, and uh, particularly I feel like image comics almost have this format of we're setting up this world, we're setting up the world, the last page, here's the concept, and... Uh, 
there's definitely a big concept that does get set up at the end of the first issue here, but also the first issue feels like this adventure in and of itself inside of the world. So how cognizant of that were you when you were crafting the kickoff to the world of this book? Hugely. I mean, for me, um, you know, there's world building and then the story. And the story is when you break the world building, the world building. So you create the world and then it's all about tension, right? And things being broken. That's what a story is. It's things being broken, whether that be a relationship, whether that be kind of, you know, bones. And it's it's how (laughs) those things get mended and how you get through that kind of adversity. So really it was, you know, I love stories where, a world is created, the concepts we're introduced to, and then that gets shifted. And that's where the excitement of the story is. So, so really, it was, it was very clear to me that I had to set up the parameters of this world and how the rules worked before I subverted them. Because, because otherwise, you've got nothing to kind of like, there's no tension if you don't know what the contrast is. Hmm. Uh, Patrick, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about putting together the visual world of the book, because I think it's not just you, it's also the colors by Heather Moore as well work so seamlessly together. And it builds this very surprising look for the world. Like it's not the arch gothic thing that you necessarily expect from a vampire tale. It's more colorful. It's more newsprinty at points. You're playing around with form. So I know I'm feeding you a lot of stuff here, but take, take it away. <laughs> well, like what Christian said, you know, we mentioned like world building, like when, once I had the concept and like the, the sort of parameters uh, that he set up, I wanted to make sure that, uh, that everything had a had a very distinct character, not not the characters themselves, honestly, uh, most, uh, but also like the environments, and also um, uh, you know the settings. Of, so I wanted to make sure there was a certain personality to everything that I drew, and like that that personality sort of uh, was pretty was very tangible. So there's a lot of structure to the work that I draw, you know, uh, like Atticus Sloan's. Um, uh, uh, apartment for example uh i i want i wanted to make sure i had like uh i wanted to make sure i i do it i, I want to do like a modern day vampire's castle so i thought okay uh it's he's sort of like this greedy guy who um uh who who loves money so i thought okay i wanted to make it a high rise but i didn't want it to be a higher like just a regular high rise and so i sort of researched all of these um abandoned skyscrapers it's particularly in south america there's this one called uh, the tower of david uh, that's this skyscraper that was built, but it was it was abandoned like midway through construction, and, and it's become like that, like the the tallest slum in the world. People have just sort of moved in and sort of made it their home, but it has this look like it's this sort of symbol of decay and capital and capitalism. I thought that is my vampire's castle right there for this story, you know. So it, it's it's sort of you know uh, it, there's all those elements, these gothic elements too, but it also it's, it's like tinged with you know. Um, the sort of failure of capitalism and greed, you know? And so I think when I set up an environment or an establishing shot, you know, I think about that first, you know, I think about like what kinds of personality that's going to have and how our characters fit into that too. And then the challenge of course, is to like, make sure the characters also uh, um, uh, display Christian's ideas on their faces too. And so they also yeah. like uh, are, are telling us what they're feeling on their face without, uh, so I have to make sure like the characters act very clearly and very well. And, um, but that also starts with, and that's why I choose to go something uh, with more, uh, that has more realism to it because I think it sort of helps immerse the reader in the believability of the story too. And it makes, makes them a little bit more emotionally relatable. So sometimes I'll start with when we were designing Attica Sloan, we started a lot with he, a Christian thought, okay, um, he's sort of our David Bowie analog. So I thought, mm. okay, so I started looking at David Bowie Nice. And uh, then maybe a little bit of Robert Pattinson because he has that slim kind of look to his face. And so we, we kind of landed on uh, Attica Sloan was kind of like um, a combination of David Bowie's Thin White Duke phase and um, uh, Lucifer from Wicked and the Divine with a little bit of arrogance with, uh, and uh, who was also super into like wearing 70s suits. <laughs> so he's sort of like uh, he isn't a cool person, but he thinks that he surrounds himself with a bunch of cool things, he will be cool. And so uh, there's a little bit of um, vulnerability to him too that I kind of like. And so I, I made him a little thinner and maybe a little bit um, 
a little more wispy, you know? And so like that level of thought is sort of like what I go with when I design characters. Like, I, I want all that stuff to sort of be apparent and hopefully it's come across in the book, you know, um, for people to see. Definitely. I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like okay. the sort of the, we're talking about decay. It feels like mm-hmm. that versus the, it, the um, immortality of vampires. And I feel like the art sort of ha- all the faces are, are super vivacious the world itself behind them is sort of like dripping away the colors are a little washed out as it's going and i feel like that to have that level of the art reflecting these larger themes in the book is so exciting to hearing you talk about it as well yeah and and with heather's and heather's colors are a character in and of themselves like when christian said like you know i want these colors i want this to be a little more experimental and i didn't quite know what he understand what he meant but when i saw them i was like oh okay he wants to melt people's faces that's what he meant to me (laughs) And it's not like anything I've ever seen before, you know, and it adds, I mean, I think the Christian said this best, and I hope I'm paraphrasing the right Christian is like, you know, the the realism of the work that I do sort of lends itself to more experimental things on top of it, you know, Mm -hmm. it kind of gives it that space to be more experimental. And I, I didn't really have to tell Heather anything. You know, other than I, I kind of feel bad giving her notes. I'm like, hey, can you make her pants more purple? I mean, what what do you do? I mean, like, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> Your note is always more purple. Stick with it. Yeah, there can always be more purple. But like, uh, but her, but, but she just took it into a direction I didn't expect. And that's kind of why, one of the reasons why I love working on this book is because uh, I know, I know what angle, I know what direction she's going, but it's always something that's very pleasantly surprising. And I think Christian did a very good job of picking somebody who would uh, be would pleasantly surprise not only the creators, but also the readers, too. Well, Christian, I'd love to hear you talk about that then a little bit. How much are you directing from the script versus seeing the art as it comes in, telling your script back appropriately because of that? What is the give and take like there? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that the, I'm I'm... I'm not adapting my scripts as I go because mm-hmm. really I feel like I've chosen well in the first place. Right. So I, like, I, <laughs> like I chose, you know, Patrick and Heather and I, I knew like peanut butter and jelly, you know, put them together. I knew the tension and the, the excitement that would create. And I knew what Patrick could do with his kind of cinematic storytelling. And so he was kind of, I chose him because he he already fit what I had in mind for the story. So really, it's not really... I haven't adapted the, the story to kind of fit his art or Heaven's Colours because I already knew... I chose them for the script, if that makes sense. I mean, what I have done with the script is... is I mean, each issue, we kind of... Without giving too much away, we're going to kind of feature a different character. And And what's been fun is, like doing something different with each issue. Like for instance, with the one that's coming out tomorrow, we've got is a big five sequence, which I remember Patrick sort of said to me, he hadn't done such an extensive kind of choreographed fight sequence. And that's been fun, you know, to sort of throw challenges at him and, and see what does a Patrick fight issue look like? And then issue three is a, is a car chase. And we, we were talking about, you know, um, um, French Connection and like yeah. you know films of the seventies. You know we're not talking about Fast and Furious. We're talking about something really grimy and 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 actually rooted in a bit of reality. And so it's been really cool to sort of write issues as a fan, going, I want to see Patrick bring this to life. And I think if you if you write like that, and obviously I have the the overarching story in mind and I know where it needs to go and I know all the, the emotional beats that we need to hear and I know all the information that I need to hide in there and kind of like subtly drip and feed. Um, but it's been really fun to go, I really want to see a so-and-so issue or I really want to see a heist issue. I really want to see a, you know, some, you know, almost different genres within the whole overarching story. And that's been, that's been really exciting. You say you have um, a lot of the story sort of mapped out. Um, I feel like uh, the premise could really go on forever, like mm. um, a vampire hunting down the people he's turned or he gets killed, essentially. Um, so what what makes you take take shape? And is this world sort of full, more expansive than um, than the story you have in your head now? Well, I think, I think I mean, you're right. I mean, you could, you could go on and on and on and on and on. 
I mean, I had to be realistic um, that, that, you know, I didn't want to kind of write a story that was like 30 issues long or 50 issues long because you don't know whether the audience is... I mean, we've launched incredibly well and already we're, we're getting a lot of kind of, you know, interest in the time and that's fantastic. But, you, you know, modern comics can create their own comics. You don't know where the peaks and troughs of the sales are, you know. And I, I didn't want to be arrogant and thought, well, this is only my second book that I've written. And be like, okay, this is, this is going to be an epic. Yeah. And, and I also... I felt that if we kind of carried on almost with like a monster of the week kind of structure, and it was just a monster of the week structure, month after month after month after month, you know, far into the distance, you're going to lose some kind of, you know, attention from people. People are going to start to be like, okay, we're going to see the character, we're going to see this. You know, you're going to get the sense of the beats uh, as much as we kind of shake and stuff up. So I knew I kind of didn't want that to just go on and on and on and on. Um, obviously trying to talk around without giving anything away. And really, it's, it, it's kind of important. It was important to me to kind of listen to the characters and, and in this case, Attica Sloan, and think, well, what is his story? What is What is he going to learn or not learn uh, and what is has he got to overcome and so really that's kind of what we're following now i've got an end to atticus's story in mind but that doesn't necessarily mean that he may or may not be able to come back but it also doesn't mean that we won't if we want to explore other characters within this world because i already have like multiple other characters and other storylines that we could follow I mean, I think the way that I'm sort of looking at this book is is similar to um, Sean Phillips and Ebru Baker's Criminal mm-hmm. in the fact that they've got this, uh, you know, huge world of different kind of stories and they kind of, sometimes you'll meet other characters that you've met before. And, you know, if the readership was there, I could see us doing something like that, that we would go and maybe the next, next arc would be somebody completely different and then maybe yeah. Atticus might pop up again. Who knows? Um, <laughs> the, the, I mean, the, the world is huge and uh, there's lots of opportunities for lots of exciting stories, I think. Uh, we do have a question here over on YouTube. This is also for you, Christian. How do you think, uh, you've been talking about this a little bit, but maybe you can talk about it more specifically. How do you think your experience as an artist has informed your writing? Um, it's made me less evil. Ah, um, every okay. the ultimate goal. <laughs> I mean, I've been kind of, you know, I've, I've been drawing comics now for, you know, just shy of 20 years and, and professionally just shy of about 12. And, you know, and I've been very fortunate. I've worked with some amazing writers. Um, so it's not like I've, uh, I've read scripts that have just been a nightmare to draw. I haven't. I've been really, really lucky. But I think because of that, it also made me want to be also as good as I can be to kind of, you know, any artist that I'm working with, you know, Sammy before Patrick and now Patrick. Um, and even though, like, I don't want this book to look like I've drawn it. It mean when I'm writing, I can kind of imagine, I know a panel will work because I can kind of see it in my style perhaps, but I can kind of, I can see what it would, what would work, what wouldn't work. My God, the dog's trying to get in. Um, <laughs> I feel like everyone has a dog. Oh, that was very really confusing. I know, I was <laughs> like, everyone's dogs are <laughs> remotely. Um, yeah, so sure. it's, it's basically just, um, it's just basically, I'm more, hopefully more respectful of, of what an artist's job is uh, and what an artist's job entails. I also know that you, you can't do you can't do the word and in a panel. You know, it can't be we see this and this happens. It's just one thing. <laughs> so I, I just you know. Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's the less you know, evil part of your talk. And I think it's just you know, I know where the corners can be cut. I know what's important. I know what will be impactful. And it's just you know. I mean, I think Patrick could probably answer this question better than I, maybe. Um, but I, yeah, you know, I, I like writing. I like writing for artists. So it, it, it's it's cool. Uh, Patrick, over to you for the rebuttal. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was much of a rebuttal. Uh, I, I do. Like, I know that, um, you know, in the script, Christian will say things like, you know, Patrick, uh, um, I trust you to do this. And that That's means that's affirming. That's nice. Yeah. He's like, you know, Patrick, don't worry or don't worry about this. Or like, I know you can handle this, but like, um, or sometimes you'll just leave something up to me, you know, like if you want to do this, do this, but you know, but you know, try this. Or he, he knows that like, I'm not the fastest artist in the world working on it though. Um, and uh, he knows <laughs> like that, uh, uh, that if I would like to have more opportunities to work for other publishers that I need to be faster at it. And uh, he'll, you know, while he's writing the script, he'll also give me like um, uh, ideas and concepts to make it so that I can streamline my process. Like, you know, you can flip this shot, reuse this shot here, or you don't really have to do that. You know, you don't really have to draw an entire cityscape of Venezuela. You can just draw one building, the building that everybody's in. You don't have to do all that stuff. <laughs> you know, uh, I just have it in my head, you know, when I was, when I started working is to show people what you're made out of all the time because I could right. not have this job tomorrow. Yeah. And there's somebody else who will work for cheaper, who will be a little bit faster, you know, than me. And so I have to, have to sort of, you know, let go of that mentality. I've been working since 2009 and I don't really have to do that so much anymore. <laughs> you know, um, uh, sort of, I have to be more concerned about my self-preservation and Christian is very cognizant of that. He'll say like, okay, you know, let's do a, um, uh, a nine panel grid here, but you can re re reuse this one here or you can repeat a shot here. You know, or but I think the most important thing to me is he understands that like um, uh, I'm capable, and that's it. Like he'll just trust me to do things, and uh, he'll have an idea in his head, and then what ends up on the page is something completely different. But hopefully, it will be uh, it'll be more uh, compelling and striking than what what his initial idea was after we've all contributed to it, after we've all put our effort and ideas into it. It's sort of like. Um, uh like a song when you uh you have an idea for a song and when it comes out when the audience listens to it you know it's it's different than what you had in your head you know and so uh but he's he knows that that is part of the process too and so you know like about christian is that he trusts that process it's so interesting to hear you talk about that because i can't imagine it working the other way where it's like there's this lack of trust between uh, the writer and artist like without naming names have you been in situations where it's like at like uh boy high week are not communicating or like how frustrating is that uh yes and very <laughs> yeah. um but you know luckily you know those things are rare you know those those situations oh, are good. rare i get to draw comics for a living <laughs> it's not going to be too awful <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, but, um, but I, but I've also, you know, for the most part, you know, I've had, um, uh, writers, you know, uh, like when I was working with aliens and I was working with Chris Roberson, uh, the first page of, of the aliens comic, he says, uh, uh, it read like, uh, the xenomorph kills the colonists in some sort of visually interesting way. And that was it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I can write, it's all up to me now. And, and, but he's like, yeah, it's, you're an artist. I mean, you've been, you, you've worked your butt off to get here, you know, so you're capable to do it. <laughs> so, um, cool. but I think, you know, this is my first creator own project. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I feel, you know, when I, whenever I get a script and I start doing layouts, I, I feel like there's this tension I have where like, can I change this out a little bit you know i don't want to i really don't want to step on anybody's toes and i don't think it's my, my place to like want to change things <laughs> you know hard, so it's hard for me to give notes it's hard for me to like want to you know uh, add a panel to the layout and that kind of thing you know and so but with this one you know i i feel pretty comfortable being able to do that because it's not just it's not the writer's story it's not christian's story it's not my story it's not image comics story it's our story and what matters is the final product that comes out that people get to read and um it'll be it'll be better or it'll be more uh it'll, it'll be better than what you had in your head when it gets all finished when everybody gets their gets their chance to like you know uh mold it with their with their own fingers so um yeah i have to say honestly it's probably been the most fulfilling project i've worked on you know to date um you know so uh it's just because it, it feels like i have a sense of ownership with it with everybody else too 
Awesome. Uh, guys, that is great to hear. Love the book. Everybody should check yeah. out the second issue tomorrow because it is so cool and so much fun. And I'm very excited to see what's going to happen with the rest of the series. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure chatting. Thanks yeah, for thanks for staying up late, Christian. I'm going to bed now. Yeah, <laughs> you're allowed. You're Good night. allowed. Good night. All right, there we go. Once again, the book is called Bloodstained Teeth from Image Comics. It's by Christian Ward and Patrick Reynolds. It's a great book. So very, good. So yeah. fun. I've been trying to get the bloodstains off my teeth for years at the dentist. Mm-hmm. It's just not happening. Yeah, I have uh, I have the same sort of thing, but a little more intense because it's coffee-stained teeth. Ah, um, yes. You are a coffee, a horrifying <laughs> coffee vampire. Yes. Uh, well, why don't we bring in our next two guests here? They are the creators of Bite Sized Archie at yes. Archie Comics. The double the second bite we're talking about. <laughs> all dental. It's a very, it's a very um, toothy episode we've got yes. here. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Let's stick our teeth into these comics. Uh, Vin Lavallo and Ron Case, Bite Sized Archie. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having us. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, and, Ron, you have a cat, so we've moved from our dog to cat side of the program. Is that cat crew! Cat she, game. Did, she didn't get an introduction, so she left, but it's totally oh, understandable. Thank you so much for having us. We uh, we don't get to go on cam with each other so much these days. Vin and I used to work together and talk every day uh, back when I was working at Archie, and now you know, now I'm somewhere else, but we get to interact here. This is fantastic. No, that's great. Do you want me and Justin to leave? Yeah, we'll get out of here. Just leave. We'll leave. All right. See you. Have some fun, guys. Reconnect. Get personal. Ron, I love what you did with your beard. Oh, Oh, you mean shaving it and then letting it grow back in and then shaving it again? Yeah. Yeah. Cycle of life. These are the kind of insider secrets you can only get on Comic Book Club, everybody. Uh, Let's talk about Bite Size Archie, which is so much fun. So you guys have been running this as a weekly. It comes out once a week, right? Uh, mini comic and then it just got collected and put out by Archie Uh, one of the things that I love about it beyond the fact that it's absolutely adorable with the art is you guys embrace every single part of the Archie comics mythos it's not just you know your classic Archie comics it's also talking about the modern TV programming and movies and classic cartoons and riffs on other things Um, what was the original mo here where they just like go crazy do what you want or did it morph into that slowly so then I'll, I'll set you up uh after after i talk for a little bit but we really like wanted to just find a way to make vin some money for drawing funny things um, <laughs> because uh, i had been running the archie comic social media pages and sending out funny tweets here and there and vin would sometimes draw little uh sketches or you know like version animated versions of what i tweeted and i was like we need to like do this regularly like we need to create content for you to like regularly share on social media and then i was like well let's just start off with like a relatable comic like a relatable web comic with the archie gang and then I, and then it became like yeah go crazy like just do whatever you want and once we like started pushing them out and we started just doing wacky stuff then was like yeah let's just push the envelope then you know, yeah, talk no, about it. I actually remember um, one of the first, like, I guess, like, meme comics that we did together was, like, Sabrina and Salem with the the cat with the salad, whatever that meme is, when the, the lady's pointing at them angri- angrily. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, like, during my, like, lunch breaks, I would sketch, uh, you know, whatever I wanted. And one day I just said, oh, you know what would be, like, what would be, like, a cool, like, T-shirt design? Like, I haven't really seen Archie in, like, that chibi-style you know, much at all, maybe like for like a variant cover, we might've done that like once or twice, but not like consistently. So I I did that one day I showed Ron and I think that, you know, that also helped like get the gears turning. And like, uh, I want to say by November, 2020, Ron, you had made up that pitch. Uh, We had Archie and uh, Jughead under the tree. And that was like the first uh, like demo strip that we did. And uh, yeah, from there we're, we're almost at 80 strips now. It's crazy. So cool. I feel like, I mean, there's a lot of, like we're talking about, there's a lot of very, very different Archie content out there in the world between Riverdale and everything else, um, which is exciting. But this is the closest to like the double digest first, like, because those were always a sort of a mishmash of different styles, different artists, different ideas. 
um, right. old timey new. So like, I think this is, this really takes me back and sort of crystallizes the full Archie experience. I wanted all of the characters to look as like iconic as possible. Like what would the average reader, even if they don't know Archie, what should they see first? You know, um, even like, so when we first started, I had Archie in like his classic sweater vest, as you see on the cover over there. Um, but maybe, I don't know, maybe 20 strips in, I think I started changing the outfits, but overall, like faces, hairstyles, all that stuff is pretty consistent with what you've seen in like the fifties or the sixties comics. Um, but then you got like a character like Sabrina and Josie, and I, I kind of pulled inspiration from the old cartoons. So, you know, there was a Sabrina TV show, obviously Josie and the Pussycats. So like kind of pulling from maybe like the Hanna-Barbera style, but, um, you know, all keeping it familiar, but still kind of fresh in a way. Uh, Ron, for you, I guess a lot of this stuff, and uh, you certainly know this from your doing social days for Archie, but a lot of it feels very present and very current, which is fun. And I assume part of that is because of the weekly output. Um, are there things that feel like they were too much things that potentially got shut down or were like, no, 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 that's way too meme even for what we're doing? Yeah, there are stuff that there, there are memes that'll, that'll come across, you know, my feed that I go like, I could do something here. And then I reconsider. Um, there is one strip that I wrote that we may never see published, but we'll, we'll, we can talk about that maybe sometime down the line. But uh, there's Ooh. just like, there are those moments where you have to take like your best judgment and go like, do we need to step our, like step ourselves into this conversation or should we just let this one slide by? Uh, because although we reference memes and we're very current, we never want to seem like we're pandering and we never mm -hmm. want to seem like the old guys walking in the room with the skateboard saying, how do you do fellow kids? Like we don't want that vibe because people see right through it and it's, it should be it should feel like the person running the account wrote the story and the person who's you know writing the comics and drawing the comics is the person that's talking to the fans and it shouldn't just feel like somebody sending in a comic from disconnected from reality saying i know what's going on like it should feel like in the 60s and 70s the fashions were always current the topics were always being adapted into the stories now we could do that but we could do it two three four weeks you know right after something happens we don't have to wait a couple of months for it to go to press. Yeah. I mean, one of the other things that I think really works about it as a fan of the television show Riverdale is I think you really straddle this line of there are points where it feels like, okay, maybe we're getting close to these ships on the show, but it's not quite enough that you're going to sort of, at least as far as I've seen, rile up the sh shippers in a negative way. So again, how do you how do you kind of straddle that line there? I want some personal advice. I was going to say exactly. What are you boiling over there, Alex? No, no, no. Because I think like okay. there's things like uh, a, a couple of the strips with like Cheryl and Tony. It's clearly riffing on Shoney from the show, but it's not necessarily Shoney from the show. It's Tony from the comics, so it's a slightly different thing. They're not necessarily in a relationship. They're just kind of hanging out uh, the way that they are in the comics. So. Again, how do you find that line there where you're riffing on that, you're capturing that shipper intensity, but not putting them off? Yeah, that's a fantastic thing to talk about because when I was running the social media pages, it was always something I was super, super aware of, right? It wasn't until like maybe March 2020 when there was that Riverdale episode where they did the fake Betty Archie kiss relationship thing and i changed the social media handles to barchy comics and then like <laughs> literally like lit the fandom on fire and had like all everyone yelling at each other that was the like first time in like seven years i like deliberately stoked the flames and i almost regret doing that because for like months yeah. later people would be like do it again i'm like no i'm not gonna just repeat the same joke we reprint, <laughs> you know we reprint comics all the time but i'm not gonna reprint my tweets so what we ended you know what i try to do with bite size is like put characters in each other's orbits, but not really classify them in any kind of particular relationship. Choni, I think, is great because it, like, that's representation that deserves to be seen, and I think those characters don't get enough of... They don't get you know often displayed in the ongoing stories so much. I mean, there's so many characters to handle. Archie, Betty, Veronica, Jughead, Reggie, like, you're going through Cheryl and Tony and, and everyone else. It's a, a lot to keep going, but because we get to publish weekly, I get to throw Cheryl and Tony in there every so often, and it always really resonates with the audience. So I think not 
strictly defining relationships allows me to play around with, you know, okay, Betty and Jughead are in this strip, but maybe they're they're just hanging out, you know? Like, that's literally all it has to be. You let the, the shippers say, yes, this is canon, and then you let the non-shippers say, oh, they're just hanging out. And you kind of, like, sit, in, sit on the fence and mm-hmm. literally just watch people argue at each other, but nobody's mad at you. It's, like, the best, the best outcome. And <laughs> wow. Vin, will draw, Vin will draw anything and make it amazing, so people will just take the little panels and make them their profile pictures, and it's just, like, everybody's happy. Everybody's hanging out. What a pot stir we have on our hands here. <laughs> and honestly, what Alex is really asking is, will you guys make him a Shoney comic where they kiss? because he's jonesing <laughs> for it in a way that he's he's gonna reach out he's gonna dm yeah i'll send you yeah. this is not for the live show i'll shoot yeah, dms yeah. later yeah we, not we've got a we've got one with cheryl and tony coming up that like pretty close like in the next couple of weeks i don't know but did it get approved yeah it, today it got approved okay great wow so, look at that it's, it's, it's uh it has to do with that topic that was getting discussed a few weeks back where people are like I don't like this culture of text me when when you get home. Like you should like walk your fr- you should drive your friends home and make sure they're safe. And so it has something to do with that where it's like I'm not going to spoil it, but it's basically like Cheryl and Tony in that situation where it's like mm-hmm. oh text me when you get home. It's like no, no, no hold on, like I will walk you home. And then <laughs> I'm not going to. The rest yeah, of it, it goes spoil. from there. Yeah, give something Alex uh, for Alex to live for. Well, that brings up an interesting uh, topic. <laughs> do you? Do you like watch Riverdale and sort of take note like, oh, this is what uh, maybe we could do a strip on this? Or are you much more looking at memes and sort of what the Internet is talking about and bringing that to Archie? So it's a bit of both. And, um, you know, I would be able to watch the episodes of Riverdale before they would air. So like I could sometimes like if I knew Sabrina was going to show up in the Rivervale event. I was like, Vin, let's do something with Sabrina. Like, let's have that week, you know he did an amazing my neighbor totoro homage uh one week and so we were able to use that gif like we turned it into an animated gif and we were able to put it in with our riverdale live tweeting and like so we did take influence from events on the show um uh, but for recent you know recent strips i've really just been focusing on memes and like hey why haven't these characters done this thing together like this is such a scenario that should have taken place uh we have one where archie's we also tie in with like uh, movies, TV shows, video game releases. So there's one coming up for the new Jurassic World movie where, you know, it's like the last final panel, sh- two final panels show you like why Archie isn't doing well with his job interviews and has something to do with Jurassic World. So I always look, we look for like movies, video games and world events that are fun to deal with. One of the things that I really love about this and and we're kind of talking around this a little bit is Archie Comics, in my mind, is almost kind of like the Muppets in a certain way. Like, they should be embracing every single medium as much as possible, as modern as possible. Like, frankly, probably the best iteration of the Muppets, not to go too far afield, is probably when they were doing YouTube videos. Like, they, like kind of at the dawn of YouTube, they came in, they started doing these videos, and it was perfect. It was the next iteration of it. This, to me, feels like the same sort of thing, where, like... This is nothing against Archie Comics, which I love, but you have the more modern Archie Comics that a lot are leading into horror, or you have the things that kicked off the Mark Wade run and continued that sort of straddle the line between Riverdale and Classic. And then you have the Classic stuff, but here, this really does feel like what Justin was talking about, which is you are riffing off these current events. It's coming off in a really nice, fun way, and it does feel like, okay these characters are timeless. They look like the old timey characters. They're doing modern things. And that's one of the things that I think really works about it, which isn't yeah. necessarily a question so much as a compliment. So there you go. <laughs> you could all nod. Thank yes, you. I think, you I mean, Vin has done, he said it before, he takes the mind, like when you close your eyes, you picture a character. He takes that version of the character and somehow creates it in art. And so I'm always amazed when I send him a script and I'm like, do something with this. And then like, Two or three weeks later, I get back artwork that I'm like, yeah, that was in my head. But now you've just created artwork. <laughs> and now, like, in a few weeks, somebody's going to re- respond to it. Like, that's that's the most amazing thing to me. Yeah, Is I there? Always, oh, go you, ahead, Vin. Sorry. sorry. When, when you introduce, like, a new character that, well, I should say someone that hasn't been introduced to the Bite Size universe before. I remember when, when we first had Mid show up. And I think I kind of just did it and showed you the final uh, strip and you were like, oh my God, that's exactly what I had in my head. But like, I always look forward to that because it's fun to give those characters that, you know, shrunken down treatment because like I said, I do try to pull from the past, but still try to, you know, keep it as like modern as possible. 
um, relevant, I should say. Is there a character, then, that is more difficult to capture in the bite-sized world? I'm looking at the cover now. I'm trying to think. Um, I did struggle with Moose. I think I actually had him. It's too uh, big. In a... <laughs> Let's, yeah, actually, yeah, it was the proportions of it all, because I, I had him standing next to Jughead, and, and this was when I was doing my layouts. Um, before I went to the final inks, I realized, oh, his head's actually going to get cropped if I do it this way. So <laughs> it's some, you know, rejiggering, but it was fine. Um, but I, I do think he has a slightly different appearance in his, like when he first shows up. I, I forget which one. I think it's the one with the um, the giant metal column. And it's actually uh, Cosmo's, uh, I don't know, he had a remote for it. It was his. Yeah, you remember the monoliths <laughs> that were all the rage back in like, you know, December 2020. They were like, They're what's like, going yeah, on yeah. with these monoliths? Yeah. People but, kept finding them, and it was like, we never did we ever find out it was like a Twizzlers tie in or something? <laughs> <laughs> Could have been. But yeah, in his most current appearance, he looks a little different. But yeah, I guess maybe Moose. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we got a suggestion here from the comments, or rather a demand, I guess. This is from John George. says, all I'm saying is there isn't a middle-aged Jughead doing a rap. You've missed a trick. Are, oh, wow. are we going to see that at any point? I don't think we really riffed off of the Return to Riverdale TV movie from the 90s. Really. But I always got good responses when I made fun of that uh, on our social media. Like I did one time, like this video where... It shows the clip, and then like I throw the whole VCR in the garbage. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a we did a crisis. We do we do these like multiple Jugheads. Like when Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness came out, we did one where he Jugheads watching the movie, and then the movie ends. It zooms out, and there's like uh, Jughead the Hunger, like the werewolf Jughead. There's the zombie Jughead, Riverdale Jughead, and they're all like watching the movie together. So there would have been it could have been an opportunity to bring in middle aged Jughead. Um, but maybe we could find a space for him, uh, you know, coming up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, ho I'm hoping that the last episode of Riverdale is just a remake of that TV movie. That would be why remake perfection. it, just rerun it. It's <laughs> we get it. They should bring the cast back and, yeah. and yeah. just have them play the same characters. Yes, that's Again, my but... my perfect um, Archie universes. Uh, are those characters? Those versions. <laughs> that's your Archie. Yeah, that's my perfect. Archie. Uh, so the book is out now. You are 80 strips in, though. So are you looking ahead to potentially a second collection at this point? That's the dream, right? <laughs> it, it happened once. It could happen again. <laughs> I would say that's yeah, my non-answer. <laughs> the odds are pretty good that we'll probably well we'll get another one. Um, you know, the response has been pretty amazing to to this first collection. Uh, we had a street fair event in my in my town in my. My wife, who works at a daycare, got all the parents of the kids to like buy the book anytime they walk past the booth. So like, my husband wrote a book. Come over here, like, I'll you know he'll sign it for you. So I was like, I sold out on like that first day, uh, ah, and, nice. and I'm looking forward to more events with Vin, uh, where we can like you know sell them in person because because really Archie is, you know, as much of a casual comic product is anything else it's like newspaper comics or you know even webtoons these days where people who don't consider themselves comic book readers read archie and so we yeah. were able to come up with a way to get it to to fans for free every week and then if you liked it we hope you support it and buy the print edition and it, it turns out people do that so it's <laughs> it's really a, a great strategy because you promote it weekly for a whole year and then the, you get to say hey you like that stuff like give us 13 dollars, and you can get you know a copy in print yeah, that's awesome. I so love cool. it. Uh, it's so, so great, guys. Congratulations on the book. Uh, fingers crossed for the second one. And I can't wait to see that uh, Shoney strip. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. After the show, Alex. Yeah, we'll show oh, you after, after the, the show. show. After the show. Yeah. I'll, I'll slip into your DMs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Thank thanks you. for coming on. Thanks, guys. All right, there we go. Once again, it's called Bite Sized Archie, Ron Case, and Vin Lavallo, and it is super, super fun. So definitely check it out. Yeah. Underrated is a film podcast that covers underrated, underappreciated, and under the radar films. Think more people should check out Logan Lucky? What about Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, or Assassin's Creed? If a film has been overlooked or unfairly maligned, you can check it out on Underrated on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else podcasts are heard.
And folks, we're going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. I'll intro. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question and ask a question over here on Crowdcast or drop a uh, question over in the YouTube comments. Here are the two places to do that. Uh, but, oh, boy. Oh, boy. There we go. Before we get into that, though, what are you uh, What are you drinking, Justin? Uh, great question. I was drinking a little Coney Island beach beer, which is nice. But um, I'm about to open up some wine, some sort of uh, Sicilian uh, <laughs> Ooh, orange okay. wine that I. I found. think that's tomato sauce. I think you. Oh yeah. Sauce. Oh yeah. good. I'm gonna love it. Vodka sauce. Vodka yeah, sauce. Vod- right? There you go. That's, that's the good. next thing. I can't believe Pete has it. Uh, vodka <laughs> sauce. Yeah, vodka, a little vodka. Well, I'm still working away on this Charleston Fizz. This is a very big glass. Why don't we get into some questions here? We got one from Stray Bullet. Out of the three hosts, who would make the best vampire? The best vampire? The best meaning the most successful for drinking blood? Yeah, I guess so. Um, Tough call. I don't know. I feel like you'd be pretty good. I'd be a good vampire. Why? Because yeah. I'm like uh, immortal, sneaky. No, because you like talking to people, and also when you talk to people, you tend to like put your hand on their shoulder and kind of pull them in close. That's right. I'm that closes the difference to their distance to their neck. <laughs> you, you, you just mean, get run. You'd be a bad vampire because you're too far away to get your teeth in. You're yeah. swinging them. They'd miss. see me coming. They'd see me coming. They'd stake me immediately. Um, a lot of comments lighting up. Justin's a classic, classically trained vampire. True. Justin has a little vamp vibe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be Alex. Pete hunting him and Justin is Pete's whistler. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm Chris, the Chris Christopherson. If anything, Pete is the whistler. Pete is 100% the whistler. Yeah. All right. We'll have to check in with him. On he has next whistler week. energy in every aspect of his life. He's older. He's gruff. He's like, let's just go do this thing. Yeah. You'd be like, okay, it's time to, we got to finally kill Alex. We got to take him down and uh, take care of his vampire coven. And Pete, you'd look around and Pete would be gone. And he'd be like, I'd, comes back in 20 minutes later with a meatball sub. It's like, I'm sorry. I was hungry. It was lunch. Yeah. I also killed Alex. <laughs> so in this analogy, Alex is the Steven Dorf. I'm the blade and Pete's the blade. <laughs> I, I don't know. A little I got to be honest. I don't know if this is a one-to-one. I don't think this is a yeah, one-to-one. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. This from Kevin. What are some of your favorite short-form comics, i.e. ones with a bunch of stories, blackouts, each issue? Ooh. Bunch of, I mean, so many of the anthologies we talk about. Um, I mean, DC loves making anthologies um, where they sort of hit a bunch of stuff, whether it's built around an event or like a holiday. So those are a little bit maybe what you're talking about, uh, Kevin. This is not exactly what Kevin is talking about, but a comic that I feel like has gotten erased from the collective memory is Wednesday Ooh. Comics, which. Yes. Which was so good and such a big deal. If you don't remember it, it was the oversized, newspaper-sized comic strip collection that DC put out for, I don't know, was it a couple of years or was it just a couple of months? I don't even It was a one full year, I think. I think they did okay. 12, um, 12 And it issues. had amazing, amazing creative teams on it. So good. I would love to revisit that one again at some point. Yeah, awesome. I have them. I mean, <laughs> they're not holding up well in my comic sure. book collection um, because they, like old newspapers, they turn yellow. Mm. Um, but it was such a good, um, such a good event, and truly, it's maybe the greatest uh, art and artist and writer teams that they've had um, yeah. ever. Just like they pulled everybody in on that. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, we got a question here over on YouTube. This is from David Quinley. You think a live action Submariner work? So this is potential spoilers here. I don't know. I don't have this confirmed, but there was a lot of chatter over the weekend when reportedly some details leaked about Black Panther 2, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, 
if you don't want to know potential spoilers, turn away. But this is from this like, is this... very rumory. Yes, I, this is from no. the sketchiest parts of the internet. But the rumors that the Submariner, Namor, and the Atlanteans, in some form, uh, were going to be the villains or the antagonists in Black Panther Two is going to be Wakanda versus Namor. Um, the new rumor is that so that people won't confuse Namor with uh, Aquaman who comes from Atlantis. They've changed it from Atlantis to, I believe it was a Mayan city. Is that correct? Did you see that? Uh, I don't know what the, the actual, I just saw that they're not going to do Atlantis. I was like, huh, not a lot of other underwater cities to draw. On. Yeah, there is, there is a Mayan city that is waterlogged, I guess is the way that I put it. Like there's a lot of boats and other things and lakes around it. So yes. that's what they're kind of riffing off of there. Uh, but regardless, so that's where this is based on, um, what do you think, though? Can Submariner work in live action? I mean, I, I think so. Um, I wonder if they'll just do away with the wings um, mm-hmm. and have him be basically Aquaman, but but meaner, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I'm curious. At first sort of flush, it does feel like a weird choice for Black Panther 2 to have it be all about some very intense comic booky things. I think... The first Black Panther was such a success because it was like about Wakanda and really, really like showing us that culture, exploring it, the secret society that, that was Wakanda. And and to have it be on fully like, let's get these underwater guys uh, feels mm-hmm. a little strange. But on second thought, if uh, Wakanda was a city that was kept secret from the world and so is this Atlantis replacement city, that sort of tracks and maybe there's like a, a duality there that they want to explore. So maybe it could be cool. I just feel like they won't hit on the same storylines that we get in the um, Black Panther versus Namor stuff in the comics. Yeah, I I think there is a lot of stuff they can play with there, potentially. You know, particularly we left off with Wakanda broaching itself into the outside world. We very traditionally had Namor pop up out of the water and be like, yo, uh, stop polluting my water. Now I'm going to destroy the Earth type thing so maybe that's how they bring them in conflict in some way i do like but the secret what, city is that, like, that it has to be different than aquaman yeah the, from a storyline point oh. of view so i feel like something different yeah, it can't probably, just be like they live underwater what's different like pitch me another story here. people yeah um, black panther story? eats a fish and he's like oh he's like, that's my friend yeah you that's, ain't my friend my... you ain't barry uh, Oh, uh, yeah, maybe he's like, I want to try, I'm sick of fish. It's like when you have too much sushi and you want to like, mm-hmm. try like. Uh, oh, yeah, the food. Jeremy Piven thing where he had too much <laughs> mercury. Jeremy Piven, now yes. that's a good Namor right there. <laughs> he's a famously well-liked person. Let's get him in a movie. <laughs> All right, why don't we move on to another controversial topic. This is from Josh H. Pineapple on pizza. Yes, maybe. Hell no. Are there any exotic pizza toppings that you enjoy? I'll eat anything on a pizza. Yeah, same here. I'm loose. Let's yes. get... Wow, well, this is well, this is great. Pete isn't here to disagree and be like, no, pizza is just it, a it's raw just crazy, slice though. of bread. Pete's like, there are only like, oh, there's only a couple types of good pizza because I think he does have that take. But then he's like, but my favorite thing to eat is garbage plates, where you literally put anything <laughs> and everything on top of a plate. Uh, but, I mean, I wouldn't order pineapple on pizza. If there was, if that was what we were eating, I'm, I'm here for it. I would. My wife and I sometimes order pineapple onion pizza. Surprisingly good. That's not a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a favorite. I'll tell you the one thing that I that won't sounds order. like an accident that you're like you're too uh, like proud to admit you messed well, up. Well, I used to. So in college, I feel like I've told this story on the show before. But in college, there was a calzone place that was very popular called DP Dough, and people would order from there. And so my friends and I decided, oh, what we're going to do is we're going to order, we're going to make up a calzone and order it enough so they're going to be like, wow, this is really hot, popular. And put it on the menu. So whenever we went over somebody's house, we would order the same calzone from DP Joe and give it different names so that they would think different people were ordering it. It was becoming really cool. And it was a pineapple onion pesto calzone. And at a certain point, I ate enough of them that I was like, this is good. Yeah. But I don't know. Did you get it on the menu? Nope. Is that the salad? (laughs) Nope. Nope. Just ate a lot of them. 
That's all. Um, for Straight Bullet in the comments, Justin is from Upstate. Do you ever have cold cheese pizza? Meaning just a cold piece of pizza? No, because, what they yeah. do is they take pizza and then they take shredded cheese and put it on top of the pizza, but they don't heat it up. So it's just a pile of shredded cold cheese on top what of hot What part pizza? of Upstate does that? That's not. <laughs> That's lazy. <laughs> yeah. Put it back in the oven. Why would you want that? Cold cheese on hot pizza? I don't know. I don't care. I've never, I've never heard of that. That must be from like a pea part of Upstate where they eat anything garbage uh we got one last question here this is another black panther question are you still interested in a black black panther movie without black panther um yeah i mean it's a obviously it's a bummer it's uh we've talked about this extensively i mean it truly chadwick boseman's death is a death that everyone felt across the world specifically for this movie it was like how are they going to do this and I, I, it's sad, but I think they will do it. Like, I think it's possible. The Black Panther, the movie, did a great job of having it be about the place, about the people in the place, not just the singular character. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we're going to have another Black Panther or Black Panthers by the end of the movie. Obviously, there's been some issues with Letitia Wright before yes. all of that came out. I think everybody expected, yeah, sure, he's going to be the new Black Panther just the way that she is in the comics. As it is, maybe we'll have her and also M'Baku will be a Black Panther as well. It sounds like reportedly his part has gotten beefed up in the movie. Um, but, uh, you know, They'll figure it out. And uh, Josh A says, what if they call it Wakanda Forever? They are. The movie is called Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So I think the idea here is not, like you're saying, just about Black Panther, but about all the characters coming together. So we'll see. Yeah. It's it's a tough situation they're in. It's tough. They'll you can't figure. do like a one-for-one one replacement. You have to like dig deeper than that because um, the character has more depth. Chadwick Boseman as a presence was too big. So I do think I think they're going to be smart about it, and I think they're going to find it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. And, folks, that is it for your audience questions. Whoop, whoop. whoop. And now, normally, we would turn it over to trivia with Pete LePage, as Pete you LePage. probably know. Pete is not here. No. Uh, so we're not going to do trivia. Instead, and unfortunately, this is becoming a semi-regularity, I think we're going to do a donation, if it's okay with you guys. Uh, yeah. We're going to donate to every town. This week, uh, there's been, as you may have heard, not to take it too seriously on the news, some horrible, horrible gun violence that's happened recently. I donate regularly to every town anyway. They're great. They go out. Um, they push for gun control laws and harder about it. Uh, so I'm going to take the 25 bucks that we would normally give this week and give that over to them to help that cause a little bit. Great. So, so there you go. As we all know, though, new comic books coming out all the time. Justin... What are you looking forward to that's coming out this week? We got uh, a lot of stuff. I mean, legitimately, Bloodstained Teeth um, is is one that uh, I can't say that we have read it. And it's um, very, very good and very fun. But I want to throw it out to um, Ice Cream Man number 30. And Mm. I'll also speak for Pete here. Um, DC versus Vampires Hunters number one is a book that's great. The DC versus Vampires sort of sub-universe in DC Comics has been one of the most exciting places um, that we've been getting stories from in the DC universe. And this book is uh, is another just great example of that. So um, I I would definitely recommend those. I know Pete was a huge, uh, huge fan of that issue as well. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to Unnatural Blue Blood, number one from Image Comics. This was mm. this is a sequel to Mirka Andalfa's uh, bonkers series about a world where animal people are not allowed to fall in love with each other. And then they kind of do anyway. But yeah, beyond the art being great, it had some really surprisingly deep things to say about racism uh, throughout the yeah. first run of the book. So I'm very curious to see if the sequel holds up in the same way. We're going to be talking about all of those in our stack podcast that comes out in the comic book club feed, as well as its own dedicated stack feed Wednesday at 9 a.m. And folks, that is it for this week's show. 
Next week, we are going to have Gary Duffner is going to be here to talk. It's Monkey Time and Big Story Podcast. I want to give a shout out to our guests this week, Christian Ward and Patrick Reynolds. Don't forget to check out Image Comics Bloodstained Teeth. Issue number two is out on stands tomorrow. Ron Case and Vin Lavallo, check out the bite-sized Archie collection that is out everywhere now. So much fun. So good. A couple of other podcasts from us. You can check out the Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast, rolling out weekly. Or you can get all 34 episodes by subscribing to our Patreon. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast coming out after those episodes air on Sundays. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. We're aiming to roll out a couple of things in the hiatus, but we'll be coming back with Miss Marvel for sure. Patreon.com slash comic book club. Support this podcast and all the podcasts we do. Subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Have a great holiday weekend. Big content weekend. Keep your eyes straight. Look, watch it. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.